program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views expressed are those of the panelists and not necessarily those of Sengents, Glamour Connection, Van Garrett Media, their respective management, contractors, or employees. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media. Welcome to the Share Your Hotness podcast. Share your hotness. Now, here's your host, Lita Green. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my guest today, Holly Stokes, a.k.a. the Brain Lady. So this is one of those where I bet a bunch of people are like, Okay, what? The brain lady? Teach me the things. So before we get into all the wisdom, which I'm sure, do you have a book yet? You do, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm like- I have about three. (laughs) I'm like, you have a book yet? Yeah, Yeah. I have three books. So, you know, people can learn the nitty gritty, but let's kind of go behind the scenes in, you know, how did you get into this? What's the the coming of the origin story before, before the superpower story? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I actually started working with at-risk teens in wilderness therapy programs. And so we're, I call it, you know, hoods in the woods. I, people <laughs> ask me, what is that? I'm like we hike around the kids in the woods until they promise to behave and then we send them back home. <laughs> but what it did, it was it really gave us this little pod, this little community where we can get away from the outside distractions of life and really focus on what are positive communication skills? What is positive self-image and how do we let that come through? You know, confidence, motivation, natural consequences. You know, if they left their shoes out by the fire and they got rained on, they'd have wet shoes the next day. (laughs) Anyway, it really kind of gave me this window into behavior. Every week, psychologists would come out, interview the kids. And then as the counselors, we were following up with the kids on their psychology homework. So we heard, oh, little Johnny needs to open up. Um, Chantel needs to dig in and recognize her feelings more. And then we were holding groups. Well, from that, I really got, I recognized that even though the kids knew what their problem or their issue was, they still really struggled to follow through with it Mm -hmm. uh, because most people have these patterns. So it inspired me to finish my degree in psychology. And I remember one of the classes that we were covering the placebo effect, you know, this, this phenomenal thing that your mind can actually overcome physical issues just because you believe it because you believe you're taking a pill which is so so crazy I remember hearing about that and I'm like so is the body sick or is it the mind sending the things I mean it's it's hard to know because you can go in and actually like um my daughter has stomach issues and Mm -hmm. her top of her stomach doesn't properly close but I noticed that when um you know, there's something that's distressing. There's this, these kids at school that are mean to her, you know, that it will compound the stomach issue. Yeah. So no, intellectually that she has a legit stomach issue, but then yeah. some outside stressor comes in, you know, right. That's like a negative placebo, right? Yeah. 
Well, it, yeah, definitely stress can affect a lot of our internal systems. We don't realize how much, but you think about, you know, the things that cause you stress. And as you think about them, you, your body starts to tense up in different ways. And so it, we have a direct connection with what we think about that the body physically responds to. Um, so anyway, we're in this class watching this video on the placebo effect, and I was blown away. And one of the last scenes was a man undergoing brain surgery using no anesthesia, only using the power of hypnosis. And I'm like, wait, what's going on there? And the teacher was like, oh, that's hypnosis. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> but I was fascinated. What is it that this guy somehow is using his mind? to overcome the pain response. Like, yeah. what is that about? And how is that working? So from there, I searched local schools and I found neuro-linguistic programming or NLP right. and a hypnosis school. And it was amazing. I was like, yes, this is it. This is, you know, how I really wanted to work with the teens now, and help them overcome brain patterns. So I've always looked, because I do a lot of neuro-linguistic programming. I'm not teaching it, but I'm talking about it in my books. And basically, you know, an affirmation is a low level neurolinguistic programming. Yeah. I always look yeah. at it as neurolinguistic programming is you walking yourself through an exercise do, but hypnosis can be done by yourself or it can be done by an outside source. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So NLP is that neuro refers to the neurons in our brain. Linguistic is our language pattern. So this is right. even, like you said, affirmations. What is your language doing? Because our language is affecting our brain. And then programming kind of refers to our whole history. And when we look at our history of how we've been programmed, well, that's, you know, the meanings and associations attached. Do we like exercise or do we not like it? Do we like vanilla or do we like chocolate? A lot of it has to do with how our brain has been wired through time. Yeah. Right. And there's and with the kids that you were working with, um, my mom taught in a behavior disorder unit um, and taught at prison. And a lot of them oh. are from homes that are distressed, you know? Yeah. And so these kids have the programming that, that they've exposed in their own life, but the programming of their parents, oh, you know, you can't do much. Oh, that's yeah. not how we are. Um, right. Oh, that's for other people, those kinds of things. So layers yeah. and layers of work that has to be done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And those beliefs, especially anything that gets repeated, the brain will turn into a habit. Because it's like, oh, you keep saying this a lot. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. But let's just put that on repeat to save you some time, right? right. So think about that. Anything that you're repeating, your brain is automating. Okay. You know, so I always compare it to like if you live in a city where there's sirens all the uh -huh. time, right? Uh -huh. There's sirens yeah. all the time. And you just eventually will just tune out the sirens. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So uh -huh. that's like, that's what you're describing is your brain's like, oh, this is a siren. Okay. We're just going to turn it out, but it's still there. Yeah. It's still doing it for us. And you know, you go yeah. somewhere where there's no sirens. It'll literally wake you up at night. Yeah. Because you're kind oh, of, this is different. Yeah. 
Or a funny story about that association, I went through EMT training. So EMTs, emergency medical technician, and we had pagers at the time that sounded like the phone. So when they would ring, that was the cue. I had to get up and I had a bike at the time in the little small town, right on my bike to get to the, to the truck. And, you know, it's like this really high adrenaline. Well, so my body created that association between the phone ringing and that high adrenaline. And even though I was only, you know, working with the EMT group for about six months, but it took me years <laughs> to kind of calm my nervous system <laughs> back to okayness when I heard the phone ring. So it's funny. That's an exact example of those associations. Yeah. Yeah. That's like Pavlov's dog. The, the phone ringing reminded you that it was time to to, to, to go. I had a dream one time exactly. in high school that it was time to go pick up my mother who was studying at, uh -huh. at the local college. And so, you know, I, I mean, we didn't have cell phones. So I just had this dream uh -huh. and I was super stressed out. Cause I was like, Oh my crap, I must've fallen asleep when I was supposed to go pick her up. So I like uh -huh. ran out the door. It's completely dark. I get all the way to the local college. I'm waiting for my mom being like, I am in so much trouble. I'm in so much trouble, like, you know, all stressed out. And then I realized, hmm, I think it was a dream. It's 2 a.m. <laughs> so, so you were physically at the place to pick her up? I had oh, a but you didn't she wanted me to come get her. So it wasn't like she oh. had a cell phone. This is yeah. when you had the phone attached to the wall. I just had this dream and this... Uh -huh. You know, stress responsible. Yeah. Like, crap, I was just yeah. going to pick up my mom and oh, um, was scared to death that I had, you know, fallen asleep and was in trouble and I was going to, I was going to get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. my so that's local college and just snuck back yeah. home and hoped I didn't get in trouble for sneaking out. <laughs> Oh, funny. So, well, actually, that's a good example of kind of how our unconscious mind is working. So when our busy mind, you know, I like to use the image of an iceberg to understand the layers of the mind. So the top part above the water is a much smaller portion. That's our logical, rational mind. That's where we're logical, rational adults, but it's this much smaller part. It's only about 10%. But then our unconscious mind is all the stuff below the surface. So it's the 90%. And it's actually, I call the unconscious mind the automatic mind. It's in charge of whatever's running automatically. And so during the day, our conscious mind is really busy. We're thinking about this and that. We kind of get scattered thinking. But then when we fall asleep at night, that's when our deeper mind, our unconscious mind, we become aware of it. We become aware of it in dreams. And so it's interesting because just that dream that you mentioned, if you look at the different themes, you can recognize what your mind was trying to process for you at the time. So I heard the theme of getting in trouble, um, <laughs> which actually, if you had to sneak out, you were kind of taking a risk at getting in more trouble, weren't you? Um, well, yeah. And, and uh, yeah. bless my mom's heart, but there, you know, was now we know it was mental health issues and MS, oh, there's yeah. a lot of irrationality. And yeah. so you're always kind of afraid of what would set her off. And I used to get in trouble oh, a lot for yeah. my brother who dealt with, you know, had struggled with drugs. I'd get in trouble for taking yeah. drugs. So, yeah. you know, never, never took drugs, but I get in trouble for it. So there's a lot of yeah. irrationality. And so there was yeah. obviously, well, and that's, go ahead. 
not just like easy flips to fear because yeah. you need trouble. Yeah. Yeah. That's another, you know, example of that programming. If we grow up in a home that's chaotic or that you don't know how somebody's going to respond, um, it creates this underlying fear pattern and the unconscious mind. Often it is not rational and right. logical. And you you think about little kids, they get tons of messages that they grow up with that they're not, you know, that the unconscious mind just continues to run. So I like to say, like, think of a five-year-old child, their brain is on just hyper learning mode. They're like a sponge picking everything up and they don't have a good filter. So if mom comes home and yells, the five-year-old brain doesn't say, oh, she must've had a bad day. The five-year-old brain says, oh, it's me. I'm wrong. I'm bad. And this is how a lot of that deeper programming gets stuck. Right. Well, that's why I've done a lot of work on myself. because it was, I mean, I, and I think everybody has to look at these things and it's something sad when people say, well, it's just the way I am. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That is one of the saddest things you can hear from someone say, or it's just the way it is, or, um, you know, just this, it's like this resignation to not having the opportunity to grow or generational patterns. Um, we can overcome them. Like if, or are we just, you know, amoebas in a pool destined for whatever water we would put in, right? Like, do we have (laughs) the capacity to overcome and become more or not? Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely. I think we do have the capacity and it's that unconscious programming that can really trip us up. Sometimes there's a great quote that I want to share. I'm not sure who, you know, coined this or where it comes from, but it says, don't believe everything you think. (laughs) Like how much do we get caught up in some of these old ideas? And, you know, um, our emotional system follows right along with what we think about. If we think about stressful thoughts, we feel stressed. If we think about depressing thoughts, oh, I don't want to get out of the bed today. It's a very different experience than, oh, I'm really looking forward to meeting so-and-so or taking care of this project or that project. So if we can start cueing in to what is your brain running in the background and how can you start upgrading that? I love um, that. Yeah. Upgrading that. And you're worth the upgrade. Yes. I yeah. love that. Cause it is, I, I spent probably, I can look at different periods of my life where I'm like, I spent four years working on this idea, you know, six months working yeah. on this idea, 10 years <laughs> working on this idea. And yeah. you know, it's a lot of work <laughs> and it's I know, yeah. accomplished professionally is just like this, the side effect to this internal work, which is why um, you know, you do what I, you know, I, I say that, you know, speakers, coaches, authors, we all really do the same thing. Right. Mm. And that say you can make your life better. Yeah. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, if we're not doing that for someone, then why are we taking up their time? Right. (laughs) We're not offering tools to improve. Yeah. What's the point? But, you know, the idea is how to get there. So, Holly, question. Yeah. Um, I feel like I rushed you through your origin story. So we got to go to that. Um, We got to go back to that. And I won't forget my question. So now the audience, what's the question? Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So go back to your origin story. Cause you were in this facility. It was like a overnight camping kind of thing, right? Like, so yeah, we were backpacking the kids all over. We were in the mountains of Utah, Southern Utah. There's a lot of different programs, um, 
that run these groups and they run them all year. So not just in good weather, we were hiking in snow, blizzard, snowstorm. Um, but we had good gear and we would set up camp. And then every day we take down our, our camping equipment, pack up into our backpacks and take off to the next destination for the day. Now, how so, old were you at the time? Um, that's a good question. I think I was about 22, 23. So pretty young. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what, what got you into, what got you being a counselor? I mean, going and going on these oh. adventures is very different than yeah. my nine to five job or right. I'm assuming you finished yeah. school. What was your degree? Those questions. No, I uh, dropped out of school. Later I finished it up. I collected like five universities, but yeah, I just found like, I didn't want to pay attention in school. And I, at the time I was following a, a wilderness naturalist um, guide out in New Jersey. And it was really fascinating. I was fascinated by all of the outdoor stuff and I loved it. I was taking several courses that were camp classes. So we'd go camp for a week and uh, learn all of these new skills, not only skills about like wild edible plants, but it was also skills about how to kind of tune into your own inner awareness and how you connect with the world around you. It was just so fascinating to me. So I remember actually one of these camps, I was staring into the fire. So if you've ever stared into a candle yeah. or a fire, it puts you into a hypnotic state, You're right? Fire, yeah. hotness. <laughs> hotness, that's right. So it kind of just that flickering, that motion kind of quiets down that busy mind and we can kind of tune in. Well, I remember one night I'm looking at the fire and the stars. It's everybody else's, you know, is asleep. And I'm looking up at the stars at, in the sky. And I was like, oh, if I could just find a job that would pay me to sleep outside and share the primitive skills. That would be amazing. <laughs> you were made for I didn't think about it. Well, this is before internet. So I'm dating myself, right? Hey, but before I you could too. just I was talking lines. about phones on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> people are like, how old are these people? <laughs> <laughs> so I had no idea that such a program exists. And it's not really something that you have a choice. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I want to be a wilderness guide backpacker. That's not really a given, right. you know, career path. So um, I went home and my mom had a friend that was visiting and he was really into all of this wilderness stuff into, you know, his dad was actually um, a Sioux nation elder. And so we got to talking about, Oh, how do you use this wood or how do you do this? Or what have you tried in this and that? So we're comparing notes. And at the end he says, Oh, you know what? There's a backpacking program about 60 miles for your house. And they're always looking for female staff. So yeah, so, yeah I, I, that's 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 if you call it the universe, I call it God. That is yeah. the, the nudge of pushing you in the right direction because it yeah. led to your future passion. Yeah, of it's how kind of that classic. Yeah, go ahead. No, you you go ahead. The the, the you're saying the classic. 
Yeah, it's the classic law of attraction that you don't have to know the details, but just when you have the sense of what you want. And the thing is that sometimes, like kind of like back to affirmations, sometimes when we say like, I want to, you know, find more publicity events or I want to write my next book, then our mind will start to argue with us. Oh, what makes you think you're going to do it this time? I've heard this one before, you know, mm -hmm. but if you put it into a question, you're, it's enrolling your mind and it can't argue with you. So wouldn't it be great? That is a phrase that I love. And this is a yeah. great way to brainstorm about what's next for you. Or if you're feeling stuck at a place, like not really imagining what's next, um, it's just that question, wouldn't it be great? And so my, wouldn't it be great at the time was primitive to skills, living outdoors and teaching, you know, the skills. Yeah. And so, yeah. When it's, we like get I ran away that, a, it's like when I ran away to Alaska, you just figured out a way to um, help people while you do it. I just ran away. I just went to Alaska <laughs> yeah. and worked on a train and, you know, figured out whatever, wow. job. but, but yeah. I love this, this layering of you kind of finding purpose being this young person and with mm -hmm. what skills you had reaching back and helping someone that's just a handful of years younger than you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just, yeah, walked, it was, um, I learned so much through that. Cause I didn't grow up with healthy communication patterns either. In fact, our um, process with emotions was to shove it down, ignore it, deny it, sweep it under the rug. But then we'd have these big blowouts or arguments later, you know, that's kind of my right. family environment. Yeah. And so if you're always tuning out your emotion or not paying attention to what you feel, not only are you shutting down your intuition, but you're creating these emotional clogs. Whoa. Say that again. Not only are you shutting down your <laughs> intuition. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And that's you're shutting the, down your intuition. Right. And that, you know, if you're a religious person, that's like God guiding you the nudges from the universe. Right. Um, you know, which I call God, but that's uh, also just yeah. the historical learning of everything in your gut. That's yeah. You know, don't go down this dark alley. Oh, this is okay to do the dark alley this right. time. You know, like all of right. the wisdom that's accumulated, they say from like ancestral accumulation, yeah. right? I mean, it's fascinating yeah. looking at all that. Is it biome in the gut, right? And that there's more nerves uh, in our gut, as many nerves in their gut as yeah. there are in our brain. I mean, like you're, so you're shutting all that wisdom down and. Yeah. And you're shutting down your own inner voice. Right. So right. when you start shedding your emotional system, I like to say emotions are messengers. They're giving you important information. How do you know if you like chocolate or vanilla? Well, we know that by our inner response to it. We know that. And so one level is just things that we like or don't like, but then other information from our emotional system, our intuition um, talks through our emotional system, but then also our emotions are telling us about what thoughts are good for us and what thoughts are not good for us. Mm -hmm. So if we're feeling negative, if you look for, okay, what was I thinking right before I sunk into this pit hole of depression? Oh, I'm not good enough. I can't do anything right. Old programming, right? Right. So it's kind of a process of kind of teasing apart or I like to say like being the observer of your emotional system 
and asking, okay, what is this telling me? And that's one way, especially if you did grow up with emotional clogs, it's a process, emotional you know, working clogs. with the kids. I yeah. love that so much because my favorite star word is poopy. You know, uh-huh. I mean, everybody poops, it's just what you do with it, right? <laughs> so, you know, we have these clogs. Right, right. I love that I so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I was young, we had the phrase called tapes. And for those mm-hmm. that don't know about life before cell phones and walls, you know, <laughs> you know all yeah. phones with walls and phones on the wall. There you go. Um, uh-huh. You know, you put a tape in and you couldn't start the tape anywhere you wanted. You know, you just put the tape in right. where you left it last time. And I remember hearing about this principal, like, I guess I probably was like a junior or something in high school and I would, and I would go home and then I'd be like, oh, that's their tape. And it became mm-hmm. terminology that, you know, became pretty common, even in our home, how people pulled out their favorite tape, you know, but yeah. what's so profound about it is the subconscious brain you're saying picks up just like where it left off. It yeah. just picks up. And then it's like the trigger is the, the terminology of today. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know? So this leads to my next question, Holly. Okay. The, the big uh-huh. question. So, okay. you know, um, not being political, we're not going to like, you know, get into political debate, but the, that's not what I'm asking you. So don't go, Oh no, she's asking me a political thing, <laughs> you <know? laughs> but you know, you'll hear people on one side of the political aisle be like, Oh, that side's doing propaganda. And then you hear people on the other side being like they're propaganda. Now I have the unique position of joke. I joke. I'm so conservative. I loop back to liberal, you know, so I'm all <laughs> over the board, but I'm conservative in the sense that, you know, I believe in a God and there's no way to root that out from me. But I also don't mm-hmm. think government should be legislating who gets to sleep with who, unless we're talking about children, then there's a big smackdown. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. um, I will look at things on, you know, the, the so-called right. Um, and I'll be mm-hmm. like, that's really kind of using the methods of propaganda. And then I'll look at things mm-hmm. on the left and I'll be like, wow, not everything on both sides, but you know, you'll be like, that's yeah. methods of propaganda. So yeah. You know, because they're like demonizing the other people, they're repeating things, yep. they're going deeper into the argument when the very question at the very front is a false question. Right. So that's kind of what you've been describing mm-hmm. is how the subconscious mind gets on a question. And you're saying, in order to not go into that iceberg of, you know, despair or depression or whatever. Um, you know, allowing yourself to be triggered is to ask if the question's even true. Mm, yeah. Or, you know, right now it's a weird time of a lot of spin and we have multiple voices and multiple information from multiple sources. And you do, you know, look at some of what people keep repeating. Is this really true or are they doing spin? So when it comes to, I know this is not a political question, but if we look at the human brain and what information it will gravitate to and what it will pull back from, it's really interesting because we pick up more information that is in line with what we already believe. So if we believe, like politics, if we believe conservatives are good and liberals are bad, then we get information that liberals are good then we'll reject, deny, or delete it. Mm. So when we get new information, 
our brain is actually deleting or ejecting tapes that we don't already believe. Kind of at a um, practical level, you might know, like complimenting a friend, and even though she's very beautiful, she won't take the compliment. Right. She's like, oh, you look great today. Like, oh, yeah, I just, I'm a mess. My hair is this, and I couldn't get my makeup right, you know, and she'll do all of these verbiage to dismiss it. Right. So this is a really interesting function of the human brain and belief systems. And even the human condition is what we believe. A lot of it comes from our conditioning. Um, but also a lot of times we're not accepting new information because it doesn't match what we already believe. So this is uh, also a reason I think it's so hard to get people to let go of old beliefs or these ideas. Well, this is just the way we've always done it. Well, we know a better way. Yeah, but this is how we've always done it. So we don't want to change. Does that well, make and I sense? Think, yeah. And it's interesting because you look at history and you see how we humans get stuck in the same cycle, you know, yeah. of, um, one group that is being suppressed rising mm-hmm. up and then dominating the other group, you know, typically through war, but it feels like it's now, um, you know, I mean, Germany, you know, world war one, there was the, oh, why did it just the, uh, there was the treaty that was very humiliating to Germany, you know, mm. that they, um, that they just stripped them of, you know, economic power. It really hurt their national pride. And so, you know, they had lost the war and they're like putting Germany in its place. And so then mm-hmm. Germany, you know, has this sense of humiliation. And if you look at it as a person, what do people here humiliated black backed into corners do? Mm. Is a way to get back? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and they did. And then like Russia, you know, you start realizing that the fight over oil that we're dealing with today with Ukraine began mm-hmm. at the very beginning of oil, like the very mm. beginning of it being discovered was you know, the British petroleum oil company or whatever, trying to keep Russia out of it, you know? And so it's mm. like these, these fights go way back, but it's, if you look at it as yeah. a person, they're just going to rise up and the oppressed become the oppressors. And, you know, so you hear Putin being like, you know, he wants to, re, you know, regain the former glory of Russia. And you're like, if I were in Russia, would I be like, okay, it's all right. I'm all right. Being suppressed. It's okay. Mm. You know, like we've written the story yeah. of always the good guys, right? So it's just really interesting questions to ask on this national stage mm. and then to ask on that internal dynamic and then our most yeah. internal dynamic of ourselves. Yeah. Mm. Well, there's a great principle um, in NLP. There's actually a series of principles that they kind of outline, but one that kind of directly applies to this is wisdom is three or more perspectives. Mm. So we have this kind of cultural climate right now of people say, this is true. This is true. And then this fight, like you see it on Facebook, people can't even have a discussion about things without get blowing up because they're so attached to their own view and unwilling to hear someone else's view. But when we keep in mind that wisdom is three or more perspectives and you hear this side and that side and that side and that side and that side, then you can look at kind of like, what you were saying before, kind of look at that higher map and Mm -hmm. saying, okay, how does all of these perspectives really inform the bigger picture of what's really going on here? And 
this is useful at a global level, but also it's useful at a personal level. You know, if you've known certain people that can't admit they make a mistake, they're unwilling oh, to see the bigger no picture. No one knows anyone like that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, right? That's insane. I don't know anyone like that. Everyone loves feedback. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, maybe it's in how it's served. You know? Yeah, no, I, that, that I, um, make a difference. I'm, I'm making a joke because yeah, I think yeah. one of the greatest gifts I ever gave myself was a man who does feedback. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. It's, it's blunt and it's clear and it's consistent, but it has helped me grow in ways that I never would have if someone just mm. adored me, you know, as a right. And he loves me and adores me and he's wonderful. Yeah. Um, having surrounding yourself with people who expect improvement. Hmm. Yeah. You know, we're just willing to speak up. Like we're talking about those emotional clogs. Well, if you're not speaking up, Hey, this doesn't work for me or the attitude doesn't work for me. Then if you're not addressing it, it just continues and it gets worse. Yeah. Okay. So you were saying you were going into people who, you know, and you were leading up to it. And I started laughing about how everybody loves feedback, you know, people oh. that they're wrong. <laughs> you were going into all that and I got all excited. Yeah. Did you? Well, and we can look at this at a global level, but we can look at it at a more personal level, like our family systems, that the patterns that we experience, we call it collusion that each person, it's not just one person is bad and wrong, but each person by not speaking up is agreeing to whatever the pattern is. Yeah. Unless we our role in the, yeah, the stage yeah. play that's happening. Yeah. yeah. So I, because there are people listening to this that um, maybe grew up in, in a little bit of chaoticness, I had a friend who said to me recently, she yeah. goes, you understand that truly happy homes are the exception. Mm. And I was like, it's because I've gotten to a place where my home is so happy. I just started projecting that all the other mm-hmm. homes were happy too. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's like reminding me of that truth. And it kind of, it honestly made me sad and grateful for a couple of days, you know, cause it just, <laughs> it just was yeah. like, Oh, that's right. You know what I mean? Like, dang yeah. it. Um, yeah. so there are people that are in situations like that. How, what would be your advice to help people to not be, triggered into ideology or how to think more about this third you know the 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 other perspective they hadn't looked at what would be some suggestions or advice or guidance however you want to phrase it yeah that's that's a good question so i think um part of it is like you know looking at our own inner reactions So what we want to do is look at, okay, and this helps to practice being the observer of yourself. If you think of an outside observer, they're not attached to the emotions, but they're looking at behavior and saying, what is this about, right? So if we can do that for ourselves, oh, I just got triggered when my mom said something or my brother said something. Well, what is this really about? Why am I feeling triggered? Because what's usually going on is our brain is connecting a bunch of dots and it reinterprets the person's language to come out with something totally different. So you might've had these experiences, like you're having a conversation and suddenly the other person is totally offended and you're, you're asking, well, what, 
what did I say? What went wrong? And they're like, you said I'm worthless. And you're like, I didn't even say that. Uh, I said, yeah, yeah. You know, I said, like, you're at a career where you could do much better. You could get a promotion or you could be moving forward. And their mind is interpreting totally different, right? Right. You see this happen on those Facebook arguments all the yeah, time, like right. the videos and the person's and they'll be like, you said this. And you're like, like and I, and I remember I've even fast, you know, gone back, you know, mm-hmm. to be like, is that what they said? And these are professional people who are supposed to be spokespeople for their certain group. And yeah. they literally, you, we can just go back and rewind it. Yeah. That's you know? <laughs> easy. You just, you know, move your little button with your finger. Right. And that's right. not what they said. So that's exactly, I'm like, how, how are they professional communicators for their yeah. school of thought or whatever? And they literally didn't, they heard something they didn't hear. It's like, they're waiting right. to say it or like trying to trap them, but it's, uh-huh. it's not, that's what I thought it was, but you're saying it's like, it triggered that emotional reaction in them. Yeah. It triggers the emotional reaction and also that programming. We talked about the five-year-old brain that has all these irrational thoughts and feelings running around, right? And so if our mind is running that on repeat, it'll take whatever, you know, person is talking, it'll run it through that inner filter. And then it'll come out with different meanings or, you know, interpretation or different words. And so that, but that very first skill is to kind of be the observer of your own thoughts and feelings and look at, okay, what is this about? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like having a conversation with somebody, we can make the other person wrong or bad for putting us down or belittling us, but is it really that they put us down and belittled us or is that, that our own mind was connecting our own programming dots and coming up with a different picture? So if I'm hearing what you're saying, you're saying, check your emotions. Yeah. Well, don't be afraid to express them, but just check and see if this is where we want to express them or if it's even valued, you know? Yeah. And looking at, because emotions can be kind of complicated, there's a lot of information that comes through our emotional system. So if we are feeling negative or down, if you go to that being the observer of it, okay, what is this about? Where is this coming from? Is it really about what this person said or is it about my own programming? It's about these old thoughts that are running in my own mind, right? Yeah, I always tell people to get out of their echo chamber, you know, and that's that's echo chamber, yeah, is exactly what you're saying is to find the third answer, you know, the there's you know, more not just they're bad and they're bad, but maybe just looking at it from a different, you know, if if let's assume they're correct, how would I navigate that? Let's assume this other side's correct. How would I navigate that? Right? Yeah. 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 Back to that principle, like three or more perspectives. So there's your view in the story. There's the other person's view. And what are they thinking, feeling about the conversation or about this, the topic? But then there's also the observer. What would the outside person say about this? And that's actually an NLP process that we take people through that helps the mind kind of create a new habit around that too, because we do it. get so locked into our own perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It rings really true to me because, uh, of my personal experience and my religious belief, I'm not for abortion because I think mm-hmm. life 
begins at conception. However, someone that I love super close to me, you know, confessed to me that she had had an abortion. And I remember in this moment that she told me this and I'm looking at her emotion and her hurt. And I'm like, to her, this is like a miscarriage. And so I started exercising, you know, what circumstances were in her life. And even though I don't totally understand, I can have empathy for Uh her in not even having to label it with shame or guilt, because those are really negative Mm -hmm. emotions, but a different person with different circumstances um, that I wasn't in. And I had a different life Mm -hmm. experience going into the life experience that took her to that moment. And so I can still maintain that this is what I believe because of my personal experiences of, you know, those babies that I carried in my womb, but having compassion and empathy and grace for her experience. And, you know, I happen to believe in a God that takes all of that into account way better than we do. And then, you know, you'll go on Facebook and somebody will be like, oh, you know, people who have an abortion are going to hell. And I'm like, "Eh, I think pride was the bigger issue. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you're reading the Bible, right. You know, you know, we're not to, to, um, you know, to castigate people like that. That's not our job. Well, and that's those judgments that get in the way of connection. So whenever we judge someone, we're putting people onto a hierarchy and it's kind of fascinating, you know, because human experience, this is around the world. Everyone has some system of hierarchy Mm -hmm. who is better than so-and-so who gets more access to resources than so-and-so. But this is like, you know, in your day-to-day life, how many times are we comparing ourselves if we're comparing ourselves at people ahead of us, oh, look at this person. They're so great and wonderful. They have everything together and I suck, right? So then you're putting yourself on the hierarchy. Or if you're doing the opposite, oh, who is that person that would make this mm-hmm. decision? What a horrible person. I'm better than that. We're trying to build ourselves up by using judgment. It doesn't really work. So <laughs> say that again, <laughs> sister. Say that again. <laughs> So the more we can release judgment, like, just like you said, you didn't travel in her path or have her background or the belief systems, the programming that said that was an okay choice for her. And I don't even think she feels like it was an okay choice. Thus, she's not open about it, but that was the choice she felt she had. Yeah. Right. And And so I, I think, I think it's like, you're saying it's really easy it's so easy to get into this hierarchy thing of they're better, yeah. they're worse, I'm good, they're bad. Right. And you, that could just all be programming. And the truth is we're all a work in progress. Exactly. Exactly. You know, yeah. and I answer that with Jesus Christ as the answer, but different people, mm. even if it's just that every human being has the right to pursue their interests and their best and their highest self. Even if you yeah. that, you know, there's no heaven, can't we just mm-hmm. all grant each other? We're all just trying to figure it out. We're all just doing yeah. the best we can. And that's why it's so sad yeah. when people are like, it's just the way I am. I'm like, you got this time to figure it out. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Or questioning, Hey, is it really the way I am? Or yeah. can I learn new things? We're learning new things all the time. Like you said, no one's done. We're all evolving learning and growing through the process. Yeah. Right. That being said, there are boundaries. 
and yeah. you're allowed to have boundaries. I always feel like when we get in these, you know, philosophical, philosophical, you know, discussions of just love everybody, you know, that we have to make sure that we're saying <laughs> there are boundaries and you're allowed to, to draw them. Mm-hmm. You know, you know one of the, one of the phrases that I really connected with the most that really allows for you, your ability to choose, but not with judgment is like, this works for me or this doesn't work for me, Mm, you know? So yeah, yeah, you being angry and not talking to me, that doesn't work for me. So how can we find a better way? You know, so looking at, but it, it lets you have your choice, but it also lets the other person have their choice, you know? I love that. that. Cause if there's a professional, that's so professional. Cause if there's a conflict in a family, it's like this dynamic Mm -hmm. isn't working. Yeah. Um, yeah. If there's somebody, a coworker that you're having a disagreement with, you're like, how mm-hmm. does this affect our work, re- working relationship, this dynamic? I'm sure you would agree. It puts you both in that what question that you brought up. Yeah. Earlier. Like what, yeah. if we were not so offended at each other, how would we go forward? Right? Yeah. Yeah. What can we do about this? Yeah. You know, let's, let's solve the problem together instead of trying to figure out blame. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good recap. Well, you know, you're really good at sharing things. It's good stuff. <laughs> my, my brain is all energized oh, and thank excited. You. <laughs> like, oh. yeah. okay. So you've given the suggestion of kind of helping to avoid being triggered or putting the tape in. Um, how, how does the human brain, because that next question to boundaries is how do we work around around trust. I have my personal philosophies, but I would love to know what the brain, how do we create those new pathways for trust? How do we do that? What's a good, healthy brain way? Um, mm. So trust, like rebuilding trust after it's been broken or. Well, just kind of, you know, just kind of going through this metaphorical idea of, you know, somebody who's like opening themselves up to new things. Maybe they, okay. um, you know, because if we don't have hope, that's where we get broken mm-hmm. in this place of yeah, you know, this is the way I am. So yeah. trust the right word that I'm looking for, but you know, just this new direction that somebody might go in after going, Hey, how do I trust myself? Or how do I build those new pathways? Do you see what mm. I'm saying? I don't feel like I'm yeah. using the right word yeah. possibly here. So yeah, I, I think that there's like an openness for learning more. Um, so trust is kind of, you know, we trust the people close to us to treat as well or over with whatever behavior they're doing, we then trust that behavior about them, you know, and that can be a, a negative spiral too. But if we look at, if we look at people's higher potential or trusting or believing in someone is, and this is what we do when we fall in love. We see people as, oh, their potential and who they are and they can do no wrong, right? <laughs> um, and then we have to start sorting through, like you said, those boundaries. This works for me, this doesn't work for me. But think about kind of that expansive state of mind um, 
what if we could do that more on a daily basis? Because life will show up for us as we believe it to. Mm, so, and this, right? this works with the unconscious mind too. Whatever we believe, that's what we're tuning our unconscious mind to look for. So if you've had bad experiences with men in the past or bad experiences with women in the past, and your mind is saying you can't trust men, then that's what your mind's going to look for is starting to focus, highlight, identify all the men that you can't trust. So it kind of brings those forward. Then that becomes more of your experience. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, this is really kind of that bigger picture of life is really run or cued by what our automatic mind is focusing on. So using your language to be more clear with what you want your mind to do for you. Oh, how can I find new skills to change this old brain programming that will give you a different experience rather than, you know, this is just how I am or what, how do I know that something works for me? Oh, I feel more expansive. I feel more open. And then that's one way to start recognizing your inner voice and that intuition. And especially, you know, if it's been shut down through giving up your voice or not paying attention to your own self. (laughs) Right. Which, you know, is the classic description of a victim. Yeah. You know, someone who is powerless inside of themselves to create change. And in my book, Mm -hmm. love me too, I talk about there's the victim stage, but you know, where you are actively being victimized, but as we're a survivor, we are still Mm -hmm. reliving you know, and you're, mm. you would call it patterns, right? You're still reliving mm-hmm. a lot of what happened. You're still a symptom of what happened. You know, if mm. it's angry with yeah. men, because it was a man who molested you or angry with women, because it's a woman who molested you. And then mm. becoming the advocate is where you can look at it from this different perspective and then reach and help others. Right. Yeah. That's that yeah. kind of phase, but you're, you're mirroring that you're sharing that. And I love that because it's, the openness and expansion that comes from not being victimized or staying in a Mm -hmm. place of survival, but becoming open to the possibilities and vibrancy of life. Yeah. Way better than any of the prior two. And doesn't really matter if we make ourselves victims or we've been victimized upon, you Mm -hmm. still have that opportunity because, um, the brain is crazy fascinating. And then if you factor (laughs) in soul, right. But, um, you know, the, the brain's ability to learn new things, um, what Mm -hmm. is the percentage they say that we are actively using of the brain? Um, so I remember hearing like 8%, 10%, something like that. And, you know, I would say that's probably more in line with our potential. We're only using about 10% of our potential. Cause like you said, we factor in that soul. And that expansive self, right? right? Our brain actually is more, I think, mapped in, is more specialized in how it operates than what we've uh, recognized before. But I definitely agree with that, that we're probably, most people are operating on only about 10% of their potential. Yeah. And part of that is that default programming, because we don't believe that we can do more or better, or that we could have more or be more. And so we stay at a lot of what that default programming is for us. 
So isn't the, the exercise of meditation or prayer or being still or getting away from all the crazy, isn't that helping the brain to kind of process better? Is that why those exercises are so valuable? You know, journal, oh, yeah. these kinds of yeah. things. In fact, on my blog, I have a, an article from the 20. 20- okay, what blog was that? What blog was that, Julie? Oh, it's at the Brain Trainer. Hold hold on one second. Chris, Chris, please fix that, that I called her Julie. That was, oh, yeah. (laughs) I didn't even notice. (laughs) Well, I don't want anyone else to be like, what? You know? So so what was your, uh, Holly, what was your uh, blog? What was that? Yeah, so it's the Brain Trainer, LLC.com. So LLC is in LimaLimaCat.com. And we'll make sure to put that in the show notes too, because I'm sure that'll be a great resource for people who love free content, which I think people who Mm. listen to podcasts do like free content. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's this one article Uh I came across that talks about the top 20 benefits of meditation that have been proven by science. So they're actually, yeah, they're doing the research now. And a lot of it, they show it creates greater compassion, greater, um, Uh, self-awareness. It does quiet the monkey mind. It gets us out of the stress response, which when we're in the stress response, there's a whole bunch of physical things that can show up because of stress, just like you were talking about your daughter's stomach. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, I was diagnosed with IBS in my twenties that then was part of my healing journey and went into all sorts of, you know, like, yeah, like deeper, (laughs) deeper stuff that I was holding on to. You want me to do that? I had to that? learn to let go of. Uh, <laughs> maybe another <laughs> time. <laughs> another time, right? <laughs> um, no, and and we're we're getting to that point where we're almost out of time. Dang it, because this has been such a fascinating discussion and and yeah. I was I was taking notes and I hope that um the listeners will take some notes too. But you know, such a great thing to just be learn to be still. I'm gonna go look yeah. up that um, 20, 20 oh, blog. Yeah. because I have ADD, so it's, it's a gift and it's a yeah. curse. And so one of the things yeah. that I have found to be incredibly useful is I, um, you know, I'm not going to be that person that just sits and sits, you know, like, uh-huh. you know, so yeah. I have created, I jokingly call it my shrine you know, yeah. I just have different images on my wall that I can look at and kind of like focus on. Mm-hmm. But then I have mindless activities that mm-hmm. I start my day with, you know, getting the laundry, doing the dishes, doing a little sweeping, mm-hmm. just things that make me feel very calm because I love my house being in order. But mm-hmm. while I'm doing that, and I also teach mm-hmm. like when you're doing your makeup, this is something I teach in my stuff, you know, that mm-hmm. while you're doing that, what are you thinking? What do you yeah. think? And that's been yeah. something that's really helped my mental health stay on track. Um, yeah. All of the crazy, you know, loudness of our lives because, so I just don't want listeners who are like, oh, I, I have to sit and, you know, hold my hands in a certain right. position that right. it's just doing something and being aware and checking in, you know, why, mm-hmm. why do I feel a little tense? Okay. Oh Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. you know, going and pursuing information that can help me with that, you know, going yeah. and information of, um, you know, there was this conflict yesterday with, you know, somebody, mm-hmm. okay, go mm-hmm. read some stuff about conflict resolution, right? You know, yeah. just 
yeah. something to like kind of move you in the right direction. That's a form of meditation. Am I stretching it too far for ADD people or do you know that's that? great? You know, and just like you said, sometimes people get focused on this idea. You have to sit a certain way. You have to breathe a certain way. You have to, you know, touch your fingers in a certain way, but there's so many different ways to meditate. In fact, there's, um, you can kind of think of it as a scale. There is meditation that is still where your, your, your mind is going to that stillness because it's kind of following your body. But also if you talk to athletes, they'll talk about the zone, which is a meditative state. When they're in the zone, they're playing, they're, everything is running automatic. Their mind is tuning out, their chatter is tuning out and their kind of automatic self or intuitive motion is taking over. So whether you're skiing, biking, walking, any of these can be meditative states. That's my husband. Yeah. He is yeah, yeah. that person. Like if he does not do intense physical activity, he starts mm-hmm. to get bad. Yeah. And yeah. I will be a very poor woman before that man does not have a great bike to ride on and a ski pass to get up above <laughs> our small. <laughs> because yeah. my meditative state evidently is uh, playing with my house. <laughs> I need to find a more yeah. active meditative state. <laughs> you gotta find what works for you. Yeah. It's funny because I put this together several years ago. You know how they talk about mind palaces, right? Uh-uh. I haven't okay, heard that. Okay, mind palaces are like where if you want to like, people want to remember things, they'll yeah. go put this item in a room in this like mansion and that item symbolizes um, the thing okay. they're trying to remember, and it looks yeah. like Marilyn Rose. It reminds them that M and M's are the favorite treat of their friend. I don't exactly understand how that uh-huh. is probably yeah. like the worst description of mind palaces, but I'm like, I love the idea of having like this house in order. And I noticed mm. that I would again being aware that when I feel stressed, I literally will go through my home and be like, that closet's in order. Mm. And I'll go through it. And I did grow up in a home of hoarders. And so it's not really, Mm. doesn't take a psychologist to figure out why I like things in order, you know? Yeah. But it will literally just kind of calm me down. And when I'm feeling stressed at night, I literally go through, this is an order. This is an order. This is an order. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's my psychosis right there, but (laughs) meditation. So I'm rationalizing it. I took that information and keeping it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, this was awesome. I took some great notes. I loved it so much. Thank you, Holly, for giving us of your time. I hope the listeners go and take advantage of the resources you have and, I love that you as a young person were able to figure out something that you could do to give back and um, that you keep doing that. I just love how our passion yeah. could lead us to such purpose. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Anything you want to, anything you want to share before we close it up that I interrupted you that you didn't get to say? I don't think so. We've certainly covered quite a few topics <laughs> touching on that. Um, yeah, I think we've, had a really great discussion. The joy of being interviewed by someone with ADD. We just go all over. <laughs> Keeps it lively. Yeah, exactly. Somebody told me I was a good interviewer and I was like, oh, you only, so I've only, I've tried really hard and I've come far. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
Thank you so much, Holly. And I appreciate you choosing to be on this episode of Share Your Hotness. The Share Your Hotness podcast is produced by Van Garrett Media. Lita Green is the host and creator of the podcast. Chris Van Garrett is the editor, producer, and music director. Shayla Dawn is our research coordinator. Join us next week for another episode of the Share Your Hotness podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.